May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You can be seated. There was a story that ran in the newspapers of Argentina in 2000 about a guy named Thomas Martinez. Martinez was a homeless man. He'd been living on the streets of Bolivia. He lived and spent the nights um, under the bridges of a city in Bolivia. And then one day, some ex-police officers came looking for Mr. Martinez. And when he saw these ex-police officers coming for him, he ran the other way because he had run afoul of the law many times before. He had written some bad checks. He had a drug habit. And so when he saw these guys coming for him, he took off. But he didn't know that they were there to tell him that his ex-wife had died. Before she died, she had inherited some money. And she had left it for him. He had inherited $6 million. And according to that story, he is yet to be found. He's the homeless man who is a millionaire. Well, uh, today we are uh, celebrating All Saints Day or um, All Hallows Day. You know that the actual feast day is November the 1st, and the 31st, October the 31st, is All Hallows Eve. And All Saints Day, we remember the saints that have gone before us, and they've already received their reward, their inheritance. And it's also a day to remind ourselves that we're on the same journey they've been. And we're going to a place of heavenly reward a place of our inheritance as well. So in our reading from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, uh, the Apostle Paul, he doesn't want us to be like that homeless millionaire, unaware of our inheritance. He wants us to join this this hymn, this song of praise that he has been writing in chapter 1. For all the spiritual blessings that God has given us in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1 starts with this, Praise, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then the remainder of the chapter is Paul just enumerating, unfolding all the ways that God has blessed his people in Jesus Christ. And this theme of an inheritance is prominent, this section of Ephesians 1. So I want to look at what Paul says about our heavenly inheritance in this passage. There's a lot here, and we're kind of uh, skipping quite a bit here, but I want to pick up on the theme of an inheritance. If you've received notice that you uh, have an inheritance coming your way, you obviously want to know what steps you can take to claim that inheritance. Well, Paul tells us how we receive an inheritance. It is, verse 11... In Christ, in Him, we've obtained an inheritance. Just want to focus on that for a moment before we get to the rest of verse 11. But it happens through Christ. Christ is the one who guarantees that we have a heavenly reward or an inheritance that's going to be ours in the future. In Christ, we've obtained an inheritance. Now, there are some translations, maybe some of you have an NIV. They don't, they don't, have the word inheritance there. The NIV translates it this way, in him we were also chosen. 
But that's because the, the, the Greek word there that's being translated as inheritance has the connotation of being chosen as God's people and being blessed with an inheritance to come. But contained in the words, you'll have to take my word for this, contained in the words in Greek is this idea that God's chosen people will be rewarded with an inheritance. And so the ESV uh, brings that out. So it is through Christ, because of Christ, in Christ that we have this promise of an inheritance. What has Christ done to give us this inheritance? Well, Paul talks about that in the previous verses. In verse 7, he says that in Christ we have redemption through his blood. Redemption means to be set free. If you're a hostage, you you need to be set free. There needs to be a, a price paid for your ransom. And through Jesus Christ, we have been set free, free, free from sin and from the power of death. We've been set free, and the, the price that he paid was his own blood. We've been redeemed through Christ. That's part of what Christ has done. And because of that, we've been forgiven of our sins, and our relationship with God has been restored. So that's one of the things that Christ has done to win us this inheritance. It's redemption through his blood and Because of his blood, we have forgiveness of our trespasses and our relationship with God is made right. Something else that Paul talks about, what Christ has done for us. In verse 5, he's predestined us for adoption. Adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Because of Christ, we've been brought into the family of God as his sons and daughters. And because we're part of God's family, we're heirs of the inheritance that God gives his children. In fact, that's what Paul the Apostle says in Romans 8, 8, 17. We've been brought into the family of God through the work of Jesus Christ. And because we're in the family, Paul says this, if we are children of God, then we are heirs with God and fellow heirs with Christ. We are in line to receive an inheritance, again, because of Jesus Christ. So when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we can know that this inheritance is on its way. As I was thinking about that passage in Romans eight seventeen, I was thinking about one of uh, the sermons that our, our former rector, Paul Walter, Father Paul, preached on that exact passage. I remember him using the illustration of when he was in Iran, uh, Paul lived in Iran before the revolution, and he worked for a multinational corporation, and he was pretty well off in Iran. In fact, they put him up in a palace. I remember him telling the story of the time that him and Sue decided to adopt a young boy, an orphan, an Iranian orphan who had some medical problems and some disabilities. And Paul talked about how we we adopted this son into our family, into a loving home. Into a palace, literally, this child who was a poor orphan. And because of the the love that they showed this young boy, his name is Peter, and the resources that they have that he could have never accessed, apart from being adopted into this family, it changed the direction of Peter's life. And 
As I was thinking about that, I, I, I thought this was exactly what Paul the Apostle is trying to get us to realize in Ephesians chapter 1, how through Jesus Christ, God has changed the direction of our life and how He's blessed us and how He's given us things that we could never access because we've been brought into the family as His adopted sons and daughters. And part of the blessing is this inheritance that's on our way. It comes through Jesus Christ. It's based on what Christ has done. And Paul goes on and he says, this plan of of God to have a people upon whom he can pour out his blessing, this is something that God has planned from all eternity. The people of God are are not an afterthought to God. None of us are second or third or fourth pick. God has placed his eternal love on his people. He has, that's what the word predestined denotes, that that God has this plan, this purpose. The one who works all things according to the counsel of his will. This purpose to have a people who would be blessed by him and would live to the praise of the glory of Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse 13, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. See, he talks about predestination. He talks about how God has set his eternal purpose on his people. But then he says that we need to believe. And when we believe in the truth, in the gospel, then we're saved. Predestination doesn't rule out the responsibility to hear the gospel and to believe. That's what happened in these Ephesians in their life. As they believed in the gospel, it says they were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. They were marked off by the Holy Spirit as God's people, as his possession. Then he says something interesting about the work of the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 14 that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee, here's our word here, of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. What Paul has done so far is he says, I want you to know that your inheritance is based on Jesus' past work, his death on the cross and his resurrection. But I also want you to know that this inheritance is something that you can experience now, a little foretaste of it, through the present work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us a guarantee or an earnest deposit, if you will, of the inheritance that's to come. That's part of the work of the Spirit in our life, in the life of a Christian. It's to give these sort of deposits, these, the, 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 the sense that some future blessing, greater than what you've experienced even now, is on its way because of the faithfulness of God. How does the Holy Spirit give us this guarantee? What, 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 what's happening in our life as a Christian as the Holy Spirit works to do this? What are some examples of this, maybe? Well, I think whenever we experience the love of God, in however way, whatever ways we experience the love of God, that's like a deposit the Holy Spirit places in our hearts. When we experience the love of God or the presence of God in prayer, for example, or maybe in the fellowship of other believers, when we receive the care of, of other believers, when we sense God's love coming through the body of Christ, that's a deposit that God is making in our hearts. 
stirring up this hope of greater things to come. When we experience the fruit of the Spirit, when we experience God working on our character, those things that Paul lists in Galatians chapter 5, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control, those sorts of things when we experience by God's grace that, that God is shaping and molding our character, that's the work of the Spirit forming our character, fitting us for heaven. And so I think in those sorts of ways, the experience of God's presence, the experience of God's love, the the way that the Spirit works in our life to form us more and more into the image of Christ, I think we can see that, that God is sort of pulling back the veil and letting some of the light of heaven shine into our lives. And I wonder if you can look back on your own life and say, yeah, God has been at work at me through the work of the Spirit, in those sorts of ways. And, and you can join this song of praise and thanksgiving that Paul is lifting up. And you can realize that that's just a foretaste of the goodness that God has in store for His people. This heavenly inheritance that's to come. God doesn't leave us without a witness. God doesn't leave us all alone in this world without hope. God, through the work of the Holy Spirit, makes these deposits these guarantees. In fact, when I was studying this passage, and we talked about this in our Bible study because we studied this passage on our Wednesday night Bible study, but I, I learned that this word uh, guarantee, arabon in Greek, is still being used in the Greek language today. In modern Greek, arabon is still being used. And you know what it's used for? It's an engagement ring. An engagement ring is a promise and, and a symbol of greater things to come. And that is the work of the Spirit in our life. I just encourage you, brothers and sisters, if you're kind of discouraged, if you're going through sort of a lull spiritually, to ask for the Holy Spirit to do this work of giving you a foretaste. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to the love of God and the experience of His presence so that God will stir that hope and renew you. Well, so Paul has said that the hope of inheritance is based on Jesus' past work, and we can experience the hope of this inheritance now through the present work of the Spirit. But then he's encouraging these Christians, he's encouraging us to live with hope for the future. There's a future orientation here. We ought to live with hope for the future because of this inheritance that's to come. And so he says in verses uh, 17 and 18, He's praying. Listen to his prayer. He's praying for the Ephesians. He's praying for these people he loves so dearly. He says, I don't cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. These folks have already come to faith in Jesus Christ, but he's praying that God would open their eyes spiritually to even more, a greater understanding and experience of all that they have in Jesus Christ, that they would know him even more. And then he pinpoints exactly what he wants them to know more about as they know more about Christ, that, they, that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? 
want you to know, Paul says, as you go through life, through all the difficulties and the sufferings of this life, that you're not going through it without hope. There is a hope for the future, and it's located in the glorious inheritance in the saints. The dwelling place of the saints. That is the hope of heaven. That is the hope of a new heaven and a new earth. And sometimes I think we need to pause and and just reflect on the, the hope for the future that God gives his people. This is a hope that the world cannot give. And we just need to reflect on those promises and those visions of this hope that we have in the New Testament. Listen to what Paul, no, listen to what John the Apostle says in Revelation 21. He was given a vision of the new heaven and the new earth. I love this passage of Scripture in Revelation 21. It's John's vision of the new heaven and the new earth. Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they will be his people, and God himself shall be among them. And he will wipe every tear from their eye. There will no longer be death. There shall no longer be mourning, nor crying, nor pain. For the first things have passed away. The new heaven, the new earth, the new creation. And that's a promise from God. And we can count on that promise because this is the God who raised Jesus from the dead. And we need to remember that promise when we hear about all the death and the destruction and the suffering of this world. And I was reminded of it this week. Josie received some news, some some bad news about a former student that she had taught. And uh, her husband, this former student, his husband who was in his late 20s, they had a child and one on the way, passed away suddenly, 28, 29 years old through a series of strokes, gone, just like that. And it reminded us of the frailty of life. But the only way to make sense of it as a Christian is to say, but God has given us this hope of something better to come. And when we see this suffering, this was Paul the Apostle's orientation, when we see this suffering, we need to frame it in light of the glorious future that God has promised us. That's how we make sense of it as a Christian. It's hard to make sense of it other than that. But Paul the Apostle says in Romans 8 that I don't consider the sufferings of this life anything compared to the glory that is to come. On the scale of, of, of balance here, the, the, the glory that is to come is going to far outweigh the suffering that we see now. The glory for the people of God. And, and so in our readings today, the readings are all designed to get us as God's people to focus on the glorious future that's to come. The reading from Daniel talks about the kingdom of God. In verse 18, But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and forever and ever. There's going to be an eternal kingdom of God where He reigns completely and fully. That's good news. Good news for us. Good news for the world. Even in our gospel reading, much of what Jesus says here doesn't really make sense unless you believe in the promise of an eternal future with God. Because Jesus is saying, he says things like, Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you 
and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Blessed are you when you're persecuted. Why? He says, rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. So Jesus wants his disciples to live with that future orientation, that you can go through suffering and difficulty with hope and with courage because of the inheritance that's to come. It's a call to persevere with hope in our hearts because we know we have a glorious future in store. You know, there's an old story, kind of a humorous story of a, of a florist who on a very busy day got some orders mixed up. One um, arrangement was for a new business that was opening, and the other flower arrangement was for a family that was experiencing a death. And again, it was a busy day, and things got lost in the shuffle, and things got mixed up. And so the man who had opened the new business, he came in. He was pretty ticked off. He says, the flowers that you sent me said, rest in peace. And the florist said, well, you should have seen the other family that came in. The bouquet that was delivered to their family's funeral said, good luck in your new location. (laughs) You know, the, the person who dies in Christ, for the person who dies in Christ, it is, it's a change of location. And it's a change to a place that's much more glorious than we can ever hope for or imagine. It's the place where John talks about, again, where he says God is going to dwell with his people. God himself will be among them and he'll wipe every tear from their eye. So let's not, friends, let's not go through life like this homeless man who was a millionaire who didn't know the inheritance that he had. Let's go through life with hope, knowing this future blessing is on its way. Let's praise God that he's given us this inheritance through Jesus Christ. And let's celebrate the Spirit's work among us now that stirs up our hearts with this hope. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would do that exact work, exactly what Paul prayed for, for these Ephesians. That you would open the eyes of our hearts so that we could see, we could be more enlightened in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and of the hope that we have of this glorious inheritance in the saints. Lord God, this is a hope that the world can never give. With all of our advancement in technology and wisdom, we can never promise this kind of hope. It only comes through you, O God, the giver of life, the one who raised Christ from the dead. So let us go through this life, Lord, with this hope and with thanksgiving, God, that we know that those who've gone before us will see again as they've, if they've died in Christ, and this hope will be reunited together as your family. We praise you for that truth and the hope and peace that comes from knowing this. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand.